0: This is the Insulon Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, and even
1: though there are moments where like, I feel a certain way, it's about pushing myself to continue to grow. The more I do that, the less my symptoms will kind of have control over me.
0: But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon Podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How's it going and welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. I hope you're well. I hope the week is treating you well so far, whatever you have been up to, whatever the blood sugar has been doing and whether or not it has been testing your patient's as it seems to do every now and then, like I know for (laughs) firsthand. So I hope you're well, hope everything is good and you are very, very excited for this episode because this is an episode that I really learned a lot from and also an episode I really enjoyed because, well, I do enjoy all the episodes that we do, but I learned a massive amount from the guest that we have today, who is Justin Eastzer, and he is the creator of Diabet Tech, if you have seen him or haven't seen him on social media up to this point. Justin is from the United States and currently living in New York City. So we're only a few blocks away from each other. So we might actually meet up and talk diabetes one of the days. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 30 just two years ago, which is obviously very recent. Since then, Justin has combined his clear passion for tech with his passion to live a healthy and happy life with diabetes, which ultimately led him to creating his social channels and his business, Diabet Tech, which is at Diabet underscore tech. He will tell you more about that in the episode. <laughs> Justin shares his personal experience and insight through his podcast. He has TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Instagram but also dives deep into the world of diabetes tech so that ultimately he can help you and help others understand how to get the best out of all the devices available to us today. So I've no doubt you will learn a massive amount today from Justin as much as I did. You can see and feel his passion throughout this episode. So enjoy it, we'll chat to you soon, take it easy okay so Justin we've just pre- we've just pressed okay, record great. and for anybody listening we have just spent the last 20 now 23 minutes trying to get the connection right because we've joined hotspots wi-Fis Justin's restarted his computer we've tried different platforms so we're here there is a bit of a lag but we're gonna go with it to, to see how it is but Justin you were telling me about essentially how you got into what you're doing now in terms of your YouTube and your Instagram and your your diabetic Tech page, which is unbelievable and obviously massively valuable to anybody who tunes into it. You have a interesting diagnosis story to say the least. So can you give me a bit of insight in terms of how you knew essentially something was wrong and then the details behind that?
1: Yeah, I had been having like the main diabetes symptoms for a while, especially like I was peeing all the time for like years, Uh, but things wound up starting to get worse. Um, And like three years ago, I went to the doctor and I got like my A1C back and he was like, you have diabetes. And kind of just told me to take this medication, metformin and to go on. And I left that appointment just being completely like lost. And I didn't even know like what type of diabetes I had. Um now I know like he had diagnosed me with type 2, but it it was it was crazy. So I wound up continuing to take that medication and things got a little bit better at first, but they weren't great. So I wound up and I I I was still feeling pretty bad after a while. So I went to a new doctor in that practice. That doctor uh, kept me on the type two diagnosis, gave me more metformin to take, and also prescribed me long acting insulin. At the same time, and he also wanted me to start testing my blood sugar. So at the same time, I started posting videos on TikTok of what I was doing because I found it interesting. I was already uh, an influencer, so I like already created a lot of content on things I thought were cool, and I thought this was interesting. So I made these videos on TikTok. And I would show my blood sugar and be like, 293, is that high? Or I'm taking long-acting insulin now. This is my first day. And these videos started to blow up and get tons of comments of people saying, you have type 1, you need to get an endocrinologist, you need to get a pump, you need to get a CGM. Just this overload of information and direction coming from the diabetes community that was on TikTok that I didn't even know existed. So thanks to their help, I switched doctors, I got an A1C, I mean, sorry, I got a C-peptide test, and it came back positive for type 1 diabetes. Uh, and now it's it's really called for me LADA, Latent Autoimmune Disease in Adults, or type 1.5, but it's treated as type 1. And so thanks to TikTok, I got the help I needed. I got an endocrinologist, I got a diabetes educator, and this experience inspired me to continue creating content on social media, documenting my journey, what I was learning, because I re- like I was so overwhelmed and I was learning an overload of information, like so much. It was so overwhelming. I was learning how to carb count, learning how to treat a low, all these things that I was like, well, I didn't know this before diagnosis. So maybe if I keep posting things like this, people who don't know this yet, We'll learn from from the content.
0: Hmm. So how long was it, Justin, between you getting the official type two diagnosis to then essentially discovering you were you were or or type one to a certain extent? Like was that weeks, months, how long were you It was months. Okay.
1: Yeah, I was diagnosed with type two in January of 2021. And it wasn't until May of 2021 that I got that type one diagnosis.
0: So how were you feeling throughout those months? Because when I hear as a type one, like blood sugar 293, is that high? Is that low? I feel horrendous if I'm that high. And for, to put that into perspective for, for somebody who doesn't use milligrams per deciliter, that's like well above 15. So you're not feeling uh, good to say the least. So how did you feel for those months? Horrendous. I felt like I had a
1: fever all the time. I'm just like really sick and drained um, mood swings. I just was so irritable and I would just like not be nice. Like I just wasn't like, I just wasn't pleasant to be around and I'm a pleasant person. So it was weird. I was of course peeing all the time, thirsty all the time. Um and i wasn't doing the best job of focusing on even treating type 2 like i was taking the drugs but i didn't really change my diet um i didn't know, really know what to do i wasn't told to change my diet i was just told to take these pills so i was just in really bad shape for some time and uh i needed i needed that that diagnosis sooner but i'm glad i got it
0: mm. So were you under the impression that you're pretty confident and I can already tell you're a pleasant and friendly person? But I also know firsthand that when my blood sugar is up that high, I am irritable. And I always say, when my blood sugar's that high, just don't come near me for a while because I need some space. Did you kind of connect the dots between I feel this way or, or I'm more unpleasant to a certain extent because of my blood sugar? Or had you not yet connected those dots? I hadn't connected the dots. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I think
1: it, it did, it happened somewhat gradually. So it wasn't like daunting, I guess. It was just like a slow burn of like getting worse and worse. And, and, you know, to me, I was like, well, I'm treating this diabetes to the best of my ability And no, it really wasn't quite clear to me until after I started taking insulin with meals like Humalog with my Lantus that I was like, oh my goodness, like I was in really bad shape, but I, I didn't realize it. I was just so in it that I had no idea. And I didn't know anything about diabetes. So like my blood sugar being that high, I didn't like connect the dots of like, this is why I don't feel well.
0: I think it's one of those, it's one of those things where you almost have to experience highs and lows a few times for you to, for you to connect those dots to say, okay, I feel normal when I'm in that nice range that I like to be in. But when I am noticeably high, I, I kind of don't feel like myself or I am more irritable. But it took me a while to actually discover that where anytime I was feeling, and particularly around my initial diagnosis, anytime I was feeling like fatigued or more irritable or slightly more frustrated, anytime I checked my blood sugar, my bloods were high. So it came to a stage where I was like, oh yeah, that must be connecting to how I feel, how my blood sugar has a direct impact ultimately on how I feel. So When you then started taking insulin, was it a bit of a relief or how did you feel?
1: I felt relief instantly. It was crazy how quickly I felt better. Even when I started taking the Lantus at first during that type two diagnosis, I felt relief pretty quickly. Like I was in range more often Um, but it still wasn't perfect. But once I started taking my short acting insulin with meals, um, I was feeling much better, but also there was a big learning curve and I would go low pretty often, which was a scary experience in the beginning because you don't really quite understand or know what's happening. You just become ravenous and you're eating all this food and then it sets you in a direction of like. Well, now what with my blood sugar? So there's a big learning curve in that beginning that's scary and it's okay. It's, it's kind of normal. I think it comes with that territory, but, um, I was feeling better so fast. Mm -hmm. It, It was crazy.
0: Had you any idea around how a low blood sugar would feel or had anybody prepared you for that potential feeling? Because it it sounds similar to another, another chat that I was having relatively recently where this person was diagnosed, came out of hospital, obviously hadn't had a low blood sugar at all before, wasn't warned about it, wasn't told how it happens, how to treat it, how it could feel. But when she had her first low, it was almost just like this instinctive thought to just eat everything around her. And she didn't know what was happening, but she just knew her body knew she had to just consume food or glucose to get her blood sugar back up. So like, were you prepared for that or was it just completely new territory that you only felt when you first had your your low blood sugar? I distinctively remember the doctor who I switched to,
1: um, who still had me on a type two diagnosis, but gave me Lantus. When he put me on that Lantus, he's like, listen, we're, we're figuring out what amount of units you need. We're going to do a test. You're going to take this much the next day. You're going to add a unit. And I kept like adding units every few days or something to figure out kind of that sweet spot. And he said, like, he was very stern. He was like, if you feel this certain way, if you feel dizzy or you start, or you test your blood sugar and it's this low, like if you wake up in a sweat, get carbs, It fast acting carbs immediately. Like I remember that so well, it was kind of scary to hear. Mm. Uh, It sounded very dangerous, which insulin is dangerous, especially in those early days, I guess when you're kind of experimenting, which is why he had me go up in small increments. Mm. And so while he like prepared me, I don't think anything can truly prepare you for your first low and your first, few months of low's even you know it's it's a really weird feeling that most people that don't have diabetes really can understand it's even hard to explain um you can say you know it causes anxiety and sweating and feeling hunger but like I don't think that even does it justice and I think that that's why people who have diabetes are really close to people who have diabetes because we all like kind of bond and understand on a different level, what we're going through.
0: Mm. The way I try to articulate how a low blood sugar feels or like the experience itself, it's like being underwater where when you're underwater, like nothing else matters apart from getting air. Like nothing else is on your mind apart from, I need to breathe in 30 seconds, 60 seconds. I kind of look at low blood sugars in that sense where sometimes when you get one where you feel as if the sensation, it's like you're melting. And I feel as if it's similar to being underwater because nothing else in the moment matters apart from getting your blood sugar back up. And it doesn't really... It doesn't really articulate like the feeling around it, the sensation, but in terms of like my thought process, that's kind of how I view it. It's like, you have to get air, you have to get glucose. So that's how I try, that's how I try to explain it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean,
1: you are in like fight or flight mode. Like your body is shutting down Mm. (laughs) and you need, you're doing whatever you can in that moment to
0: survive something i saw on your instagram earlier this week it was an ex how do you explain it it was like you were relating insulin with a snake bite and the the antidote and you the way you explained it you explained it perfectly and it was a perfect example of how to actually understand the reality of living with diabetes so please repeat that if you can, Justin, because I thought it was such a, a perfect way to, to explain essentially what insulin is like.
1: Yeah, it's so funny. That thought just randomly came to my mind. I don't like I was working. I was like, oh, my goodness, I should make a video about this. So basically, <laughs> let, let's see if I can remember what I said. So I, I was like saying, imagine if you were bitten by a snake and that venom was going through your body and it was going to kill you. And someone comes up to you and they're like, I have an antidote for you and you can take this and it will, it will save you. But if you take too much antidote, you'll die. And if you take too little over time, you'll die. (laughs) Um, and this vial costs like $200. (laughs) And so I was basically making an analogy to insulin, because insulin is such a scary drug that is both our poison, not our poison, but it's both our medicine, but it's also a very dangerous medicine that can you can like essentially overdose on. Mm. And in the U.S., it can cost upwards of two or three hundred dollars for one vial. And I just I thought that that was a really good way to kind of connect insulin with something that people who don't have diabetes can better understand that we didn't choose to get bit by that snake yet we're dealing with consequences of needing to pay exorbitant amounts for this medication um and
0: like the difficulty of like using it Mm. a perfect analogy perfect analogy Justin, you were obviously diagnosed relatively recently, May 21. So just over two years, essentially. How have you found adapting to like this new way of living at 30 years old?
1: Um, It's been like a day by day thing. I, for the most part, I feel very normal. Like it didn't change my life entirely. Like I think... It's just a new obstacle that I kind of have on the side of my life that I'm managing and luckily thanks to like the technology that exists today I don't get pulled out of life very often. I feel very like lucky and fortunate to have been diagnosed at a time when this technology exists because it wasn't that long ago when people didn't have this technology and it wasn't as good as it is today. So, and, and there's such a bright future, I feel like for where this technology is going. So I'm also hopeful there have been some challenges along the way. One of them is, I I think that while I try my best to eat whatever I want, there are moments where I prevent, I stop myself from eating certain foods because it's just going to add an extra stressor on an already stressful day. So if I'm in a rush to get from place to place, and you know, I'm like, "Oh, I should just get a slice of pizza." I don't because I know that it could kind of add this extra layer to my day. So that I'd say that's one of the biggest changes where I don't feel um, the same. And I realized that that's something I put on myself, but it's something that I feel is more beneficial just for me not to eat those foods. So that's, Mm. that's been, um, a difference. It's also been a little difficult to kind of go through that. Like bagels are my favorite food (laughs) living in New York. We've got the best bagels, Mm. but you really can't do bagels or I can't do bagels the way I used to. I now like try to get like bagels with cream cheese and lox to add extra protein, Mm. Um, but I can't like just have like a bagel with butter, uh, because it will like really mess me up. I think another thing that's been a big adjustment and it, it may even be kind of worse for me is needing to have my phone on me at all times because it connects to my continuous glucose monitor. It actually also connects to my pump cause I'm using DIY loop. So my phone is my PDM. It does everything I need it to for my, for my treatment. But because of that, my phone never leaves my side, which is like the worst because phones pull you in and get you distracted and pull you onto social media. And I don't like that. I, I miss going on vacations where I, this what I would do is I get to the Airbnb, I throw my phone on the bed and I don't look at it the entire weekend. Like that's who I am. I'm someone who disconnects and... I really haven't disconnected much over the last two years, which has been a really big shift. And especially with now doing all my diabetic tech, that's another layer of like, social media is my job. I mean, it's always been my job in some way with my technology stuff, but I think I was able to disconnect better. So that's a struggle that I'm currently still working on. And I hope that technology gets better and allows us to not even need our phone uh, to do stuff like that mm. or any device where it could just kind of do its own thing.
0: Yeah. It's interesting as well, because you touched on it there yourself, there's never a perfect time to be diagnosed, but if you were to pick a time to be diagnosed, you're, you're going to pick the last one, two, three, four, five years, because the tech that seems to consistently come out is obviously massively beneficial. And even from even from my own perspective, my own experience, Justin, I've been diabetic now near 12 years, which in the grand scheme of things is a relatively short space of time. But even in those 12 years, nine of them were just finger pricks, just finger pricks, just insulin pens. So even the transition for me from finger pricks for nine years to a CGM, it's just a complete game changer, like complete game changer. And now when I, like, if I decide to take a break from a CGM or it doesn't come in in time, whatever it is, and I'm finger pricking, I think, how did I I do that for nine (laughs) years? How did I do that for nine years? But I feel even with finger pricking specifically, and again, from my own perspective, when you're finger pricking, you're you're more in tune with your body. I feel because you're less reliant on tech, and which is a good and bad thing. But you're more in tune with how how I'm feeling. You know how this high feels, how this low feels. Am I am I feeling myself dip down as opposed to my alarm going off before I realize? Do you know what I mean? I do kind of
1: what you're saying is kind of bringing something up that I've been struggling with recently that I think is important to bring up. So I don't know what I would do without a CGM right now, especially because I've been dealing with like a long COVID thing for like a year now where I feel fatigued nearly every day. And I get like low-grade fevers. I get like kind of sick, and I get dizzy. And a lot of these symptoms that I'm experiencing can also be similar to a low. So there are times when I start feeling a little worse with those symptoms that I'm experiencing. Kind of get like almost a little flare up, and I look at my blood sugar because I'm like, I've got to be low, and I'm not. And I'm and I test myself, and I'm not. And I feel like I, in my current position, am unable to do that. And I am so much more thankful for the CGM technology because of what I'm going, what I'm experiencing. And I really hope that this goes away soon and I do get back to that point where I can really be in tune with my diabetes. Because before this last year, my first year of diabetes, I was very in tune with that. And it was nice to be able to rely on my body and feel those things and i miss that because it does let you it did let me disconnect even more and that could be a reason why this last year i have been more connected because i'm always thinking oh i have a low or oh i have a high cuz feeling a little sick too like feverish almost right like that could be almost like a high so that's been that's been a, a
0: an interesting Experience this last year. So was that stemmed from obviously COVID that you had a year ago and you've felt the effects of it since? Because that's also something that I saw, Justin, on your Instagram, and I was going to ask you about it in terms of your experience with it and, and how it's felt up to this point. Because from the video that I saw and even just based off what you've said, it's obviously having a pretty significant impact still to this day. Yeah. It's
1: been like a really difficult year. Um, I'd say, so I got COVID in July, 2021. And after I had that, I noticed every five or six weeks I was getting like this, like fever and fatigue. And after it happened a few times, I was like, I think I have long COVID and it it kept happening. I was like, "I, I really think I have long COVID. And then in August, 2021, I mean, sorry, August, 2022, last year, I went to like the Burning Man event and I just like went through a lot and wasn't feeling well there I had another flare up and I came out of that just like in this like never ending fatigue with like all these other symptoms um that I guess I had had but like it's just like this like non-stop um brain fog fatigue that I'm kind of in. And, and I go weeks sometimes where I'm feeling normal, but more often than not, I'm not feeling normal and I'm not feeling great, which has been obviously like tough because I have to push really hard to like get my work done to be around friends. So it's been, it's been tough. Um, I like to think that I'm getting better because I do have moments where I feel better, but it's, it's really hard to kind of like look outside myself and see like what that journey is looking like. Um, but I, I have connected with a lot of people, uh, who have COVID long COVID and a lot of people with diabetes that have long COVID. Um, cause there's definitely a correlation there. And I find that my highs and lows are more difficult, like more intense. Cause they kind of bring out these other symptoms when I go through those. So mm. that's been an interesting
0: thing to navigate. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you've been going through that. It doesn't sound pleasant at all. And, uh, you know, as I know firsthand, justin living with diabetes in itself can have an impact in terms of how you feel and your energy and your performance. So loading long COVID on top of that, I can only imagine it's very difficult. I was I was going to ask you, but you've already answered the question. You had COVID after you were diagnosed as opposed to prior diagnosis. Yeah. Okay. And I I ask you, and I was going to ask you that because I've spoken to, like, I'd say 25 people personally that didn't have any issues, were diagnosed with COVID, and within weeks were diagnosed with type one, which is a strange one. But for me, it doesn't sound like just a coincidence because obviously there's no like definitive cause to type one but there's definitely a correlation between a virus being a catalyst to erupt, whatever might be essentially dormant in your system. But you got COVID after you got type one diabetes. Yeah,
1: I, I attribute my diabetes possibly to a surgery I had when I was 21. I had like a tumor on my spine called, it was neuroblastoma and they had to take out all my organs And I found that every few, every, like the years after that surgery, I was getting like blood sugar tests that were like slightly elevated and my doctor would say something and I was like, oh, I didn't fast. And I noticed for a long period of time, maybe like three or four years before I was ultimately diagnosed, like I was peeing very often. Like it was a thing, like it was like, oh, Justin pees a lot. Like, And then it went away after I got on insulin. So there was a slow deterioration Deterioration of my pancreas's ability to create insulin over a long period of time and i my hypothesis is that it stems from that surgery
0: now i just go back to what you were saying there and I'm, I'm i'm not laughing because it's funny i'm laughing because i'm i'm shocked at what you said did you say they took out all of your organs yeah they had to so
1: the tumor was on my spine but it was like on the inside of my spine so in order to get to it they had to like open like there's like a 10 inch incision on my stomach that they went through and they had to like take out all the organs to get to the to not the pancreas to get to the tumor yeah
0: (laughs) that is insane and i know i
1: i just keep getting everything what's next (laughs) i was gonna say let's let's hope that's it no more for Justin. No more. Yeah. My three. They say everyone has like three big life events. And so I hope right. you know, cancer, diabetes, long COVID are my three things. And that like it's just smooth sailing from here. Wow. What was the recovery like after that surgery? Um, it was a month of pretty intense recovery like a lot of pain and i'd say like another two months of like stiffness but like you know getting better slowly and then i'd say i'd say after six months i felt pretty good
0: and then after a year i felt like pretty normal you've been through the wars to say the least makes it even more impressive just that you're like openly such a a positive person with everything that you're going through. So a uh, huge credit to you. It's amazing to see.
1: Yeah, I think, um, there have, I think it's important that like when you have these like dark moments in your life, it's okay. And it's allowed, but I think it's so, I think it's more important, like with like how you rise up from those, because you're going to be stronger, more resilient. Mm. And, it's not fair to yourself to let those experiences become your identity. And yeah, I was very angry and depressed in a lot of these moments, but I didn't let it define me. And I realized, I told myself, this is how I feel, but this isn't who I am. So I feel sad. I'm not sad. I feel sad. And I think it's important to, distinguish that when you're going through these things so that you can like get yourself out of it. And, and you're not going to do it alone too. I think like having a support system and connecting with others and being vulnerable mm. really helps that healing process move smoother and faster. Mm.
0: Do you feel Justin as if that, that sort of mentality or that like resilience is just innately in you or was that something that you learned or like read about or or somebody helped you through? And I'm asking you that question because much like yourself, I've spoken to hundreds of people over the years, like diagnosed with specifically type one. Some people have a reaction or a response where, you know, they, they go backwards and it really, really knocks them. And then other people might have a response where they jump headfirst into it and it turns into something that can be a positive in their life. So are you, do you feel as if you're... Innately, the latter, or was it something that you had to learn over time? I think I've
1: always been an energetic, happy go lucky optimist. I've always looked at the glass half full. And I, but I do think that going through these experiences have made me more and more, had made, have made me look at life more and more as like something precious and fragile. And because of that, it's important to live every day to the fullest. And that, that can mean watching a movie at home, Mm. but like just truly enjoying the moments you have and knowing that like tomorrow isn't guaranteed. So why not make the best of like every situation? And it's still something that I constantly have to remind myself of, especially as I go through periods like the long COVID And I feel grateful having gone through the experiences that I have that have definitely made me a much more just a stronger person and someone who um, doesn't have time to waste making people feel bad, um, doesn't have time to waste spending time with people who make me feel bad. You know, I think it's important to like, we only have so much time on this planet and it's not worth spending that time in, in situations that make us unhappy so if we find situations that make us happy then we'll be happy right it's it's about work do, putting the work in and your outlook on everything that affects your reality How do you find, I'm loving this, by the way,
0: how do you find the balance? (laughs) Me too. I didn't even know I had this in my brain. (laughs) But see, I'm fascinated by like people's perspective, people's mindset, people's outlook on particularly challenging times and how they deal with something like essentially internally. And if it is something that they have learned or something that they, they kind of just have in them, so even even to kind of bounce off that, Justin, how do you find the balance between giving yourself grace and understanding that, like, oh, this look, this is a really tough time. Of course, I'm upset. Of course, I'm discouraged, disheartened, whatever it might be. And then on the other side, saying to yourself, "I have to pull myself out of this." Like, how how do you find the balance between those two? If I articulated that question correctly? <laughs> no, you did. I'm trying to
1: like not get too emotional with that cuz that's been something that i've really been um dealing with especially now and i and i'm sure so many people listening have dealt with this in their own ways and with their diabetes and it's funny like i'm so preoccupied with like my long covid stuff that diabetes is like it doesn't even affect me really like i don't have wow. time to to think about it and let that upset me right so there was a long period of time In this one-year journey like maybe the first seven months of this past 12 months where i like completely isolated myself and i'm an extrovert so that's a big that's a big thing for me and i found that that isolation i was doing it because i didn't think that i would be a positive energy around people because i didn't feel like a positive i didn't feel like a positive energy to myself and in the last few months, I've made a huge effort to go back to like what I was saying before, which is like, you need to just do the work and put yourself in those situations that, that can make you happy and they will make you happy. And distractions are great. Distractions pull you out. And um, it's just been like, really a really great part of the healing process like kind of finding myself again and, and being that that person like I I'm like that type of person that's like the center of the party so like going from that to like the person that doesn't go to the party was like you know self it was put on myself but it's also like I was going through this like traumatic experience health-wise that was new to me and and made me unhappy so kind of I don't even remember what the question was, but it's, Oh, I think I do. Actually. It's like, actually, I don't remember the question. Maybe you can cut that.
0: <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's I forget perfect.
1: where we are going. I, I, I'm trying not to be a sob story, but I, I think what's so important is that like I have come out of this dark moment stronger. And even though there are moments where like, I, I remember like, or I feel a certain way it's about, pushing myself to continue to grow. And I think like the more I do that, the less my symptoms will kind of have control over me. And I'm sure over time, the less I'll even feel them and maybe they'll even go away without me noticing.
0: Which I think in itself, Justin makes it again, that bit more impressive, given the fact of like how positive you are and what you do and the value that you offer. and. The value that you offer to everybody with type 1 diabetes, despite only being diabetic two years yourself, is unbelievable, you know? So again, huge credit to you. I'd love to jump into your diabetic tech, obviously what you do and your job and your business and the value that you do offer. So you're a tech reviewer. For anybody, Justin, who doesn't know what a tech reviewer actually is, like what is it that you do? That was part one of this episode. If you are listening to this on the day of the release, part two will be out tomorrow. But if you're listening on any other day, part two is the next episode on our list.